series on hope. And we've been looking over the past few years, ultimately, we get into what's called the Advent season here that starts today in, in church world. And we've been looking at different aspects of the Advent. Uh, last year, we looked at joy. And the year before, we kind of hit the normal path of Advent, looking at hope, joy, peace. And we uh, are hitting on hope this year. We're diving into it. And it's this, this thing that we need in our life, probably more than we realize. Jesus is the hope of full life today and ultimately a hope for tomorrow and a key for our life when, when life gets overwhelming, when things don't go as planned, when things get overwhelming and we have no expectation for tomorrow and it's enough to think about today, we can call on Jesus. The Jesus of Christmas, the Jesus of Advent, you'll hear terminology all around. This series should lead you to experience fresh hope. The season of Advent is an interesting one. In traditional church world, it's like the beginning of the church calendar. Uh, we've not really been a, a, a traditional church. Obviously, you're sitting in high school right now in a worship service. But the, uh, you know, we still, though, this time of year, we well up with this anticipation of the future, this arrival of a person, an event. That's what Advent means, the arrival, the anticipation of the arrival of a person or event. And this event in history, this arrival is Jesus. And Advent reminds us of something incredible that we just cannot forget and need to elevate this time of year. Um, we are reminded once again of the promise God made to send his son throughout the text of scripture, throughout history, thousands of years. And this promise is true beyond just hope of eternity, it's hope for life today. We build traditions around this time of year. As much as they might try to be torn down, we still build them, right? And uh, interesting enough, the word advent is taken from a Latin word that means coming. And so here we are celebrating our coming, the coming of Jesus and our coming King who will return again. John 14, 6 says this. It's a foundational verse that we should, it'd be one of those great ones if you ever wanted to put a verse to memory, this is a solid, right? You got to grab this one. It says, Jesus told him, Jesus is replying to someone in conversation. It says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you fill in the blanks of your outline, spoiler alert, we may have just filled them in for you, but we're going to have some fun still today. Uh, Billy Graham said this, this is not just hope, but it is an Advent hope. It is the truth and expectation that God is working in our life now in our present moment. It is promise that what we hope for in his name is obtained. It is a time to remember that the salvation God promised through all of history has already come. And we live in the hope of that salvation. We cannot settle for just the way things are but must live in the awe and wonder of the memory of God's promise. 
That's where we find ourselves today. Hopefully, in the awe and wonder, we're going to unpack quite the story as we talk about this reality that Jesus is not just the way to hope. Jesus is our hope. He's the key to unlocking truths of God for our life, and he's the key to living life to the full right now. Our big idea for today is Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Our hope is centered on one person, and his name is Jesus. Perfect worship song they just sang. Hope has a name, his name is Jesus. He's the way, right? He is, he is how life to the full and this whole promise came about. He is the truth, a constant yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the life, the life to the full we are promised through him. Um, I love how the book of John opens up. It's one of the gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospel books that explain the story of Jesus. And John focuses on how much God loves us, but he opens up with this unpacking in John 1 of like how this whole thing has come about of the coming of Jesus, how Jesus has showed up. And this is what it said, John 1, we'll read verse 1 through 5 and then uh, 9 through 14. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing is created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 9, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made it his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Wow, John, way to pen that, right? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How beautiful is this, right? That he, the hope comes to us in human flesh. That's Advent. This hope, this expectation of the coming king finally comes. And it's not just an anticipation of something that came or is to come. It's interesting. In 1985, Pope Benedict XVI wrote this. He said, Advent is concerned with the very connection between memory and hope. It's celebrating the way God has unpacked this whole thing to bring life and forgiveness of our sin to us, but it's also, this is what the future holds. It's this beautiful tension in between that we live in. And that's what we want to kind of take you on a story of today. The first thought for today is Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Can, 
It might feel like Sunday school on steroids today. I just got to give you like a a little hint there. We're going to read a lot of scripture because it is incredible how scripture unpacks this story for us. How scripture opens up to us this better understanding of, man, this has been God's way, his plan for hope since the fall of man, clear in Genesis at the beginning of your Bible, when you open it up and make a commitment this next year, I'm going to read through the Bible. You're probably going to make it through Genesis or close to through Genesis, right? Before you're like, well, next year, you know, set that goal again. But Genesis, like if you look, Genesis 22:18 says this, and this is interesting. This is to Abraham. He was told of the blessing, this hope that would come through his seed. And that's 1,800 plus years before Jesus showed up on the scene. He's told this, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you've obeyed me. Through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This is speaking way into the future. And God just throws these little seeds of a clue that I'm sending a Savior. I'm sending a Savior. Hope for the future. I'm sending a Savior. He drops these little clues throughout Scripture. This is more than a nativity Like, the hope we have in Jesus has occurred over thousands and thousands of years. Fruition is this moment when Jesus was born and the life he lived and the cross he bore. And the promise we now have through faith of the life we can live and he lives through us. It goes on, his grandson, Abraham's grandson Jacob was told this. I see him, and this is in Numbers 24, 17, says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. Yeah, a few thousand years. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. You wouldn't know that that's talking about Jesus unless you started like reading study guides and commentaries and things. It's hard to imagine the world we live in today. We live in kind of this, uh, we just want a promise quick type world. Like I, I gotta have the newest now. Um, it's such an instant, you know, they used to call it like a microwave culture, but now it's even faster than that. It's like, I, you know, we don't wait very well. We don't have that great of patience. And these are, generation upon generation upon generation ago type promises before Jesus shows up. Like when it's saying, this is, when the angel's saying this, or the Lord is saying this to Jacob, it's like, I'm speaking way in the future. And the crazy thing is, is they were faithful and repeated this generation after generation after generation, and generation after generation held on to the faith that God would send this promised future blessing through their lineage. I just don't know if we would be that patient today. I, like, I, I admire the culture of this time and in place within the world thousands of years ago where they would wait on a promise from generation to generation. I mean, think about it. If, If Apple decided to announce 
their next line of phone would come to a future generation. And, uh, you know, we're going to come out with the iPhone 11. Um, your grandkids will love it. It's going to be a while. We're working on it now. We're working on breakthrough. No way. You'd switch to the Pixel 3 or something. You know, you'd like, you'd jump brands. And it's just the world we live in doesn't wait that long. Tesla would say, you know, get out there. And Elon would say, man, I've, choo I've chosen to innovate. And I need investors. We're going to build the car of the future. It'll be ready in 100 years. It's going to be a great return on your investment for your great-great-grandchildren. You know, it's, it just, we, no. This was way more important. I think the only thing we do this for, really, when you start to think about it, is faith and then, like, medical research. Where you hear people make challenges publicly. Who knows, maybe in this room we have the person that will find the cure to this. And we'll wait generations for a cure. We'll pursue it for generations. We'll invest in that for generations. But this is like dozens of generations. This promise. So let's go down the generational ladder a little. Second Samuel 7, King David was told, For when you die and are buried with your ancestor, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He's the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. Isaiah 7, 4. He was, he was told this. He said, all right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So, yeah, you got that right. Like, this guy, Isaiah, hears that hundreds of years from God, hundreds of years before Jesus showed up, exactly like this. Isaiah 9, two, two chapters later, says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, government will rest on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Anybody else have the song going through their head when I read that song? Wonderful, mighty God. Okay. Uh, it's hard to read that one without just breaking out in song. Josh Groban was singing on the radio. This is not in my notes. Why am I saying this? Uh, he was singing in the radio on the way here. I lean over to my 15-year-old daughter, and I'm like, do you know who's singing? She's like, No. I was like, well, she really didn't do it with that attitude, but it's more entertaining if I show, like, the teenage fist. No. Ew, that's vibrato. No, she doesn't talk like that. But uh, they, it was uh, Josh Groban. You know, I was like, do you know who it is? You don't know who it is? A tenor with that vibrato? Who sings with that vibrato? I don't know. Anyway, Josh Groban. Wonderful. Tenor. Got to sing that with a good tenor voice. Back into the talk. Okay, I'm back. Uh, there, are many, there are many more passages like that that talk about this future, that these generations were getting glimpses from God to hold on to this promise of a Savior, a king that would reign forever, a child that would be born of a virgin. So generation after generation, they wait. Hundreds of years of silence go by where they hear nothing. And then the moment comes 
They're holding hope the whole time. They're passing hope from generation to generation. And you have to imagine that there were some doubters in the mix, right? Like, okay. And if the craziest thing that we find out through the Gospels as we read, some of the religious people were the greatest doubters of them all. Sometimes it's hardest for us to believe. It's the new, those who are new in the faith believe and experience healing and there's incredible things, deliverance in their life. And those of us who've been around the church for a while, for some reason we let doubt creep in. Anyway, here's how it comes about. Luke 1, this is the way Jesus showed up, right? Luke 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Do you think this was sounding familiar to her? Do you think she was recalling Sunday school lessons here and what she learned in kids' church? She's like, wait, like, so the promise that in 2 Samuel? You know, so this is all coming back, right? Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age and people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Hard to imagine. But Mary would have to know these prophecies. And she would have to recognize the language Gabriel, this angel, was using with her in that moment. And go, oh my goodness, this is the moment. Can you imagine at the age of 15, 16, in that zone, how you would process the weight of this moment? Besides needing to go change, because you just like met an angel. It's like, excuse me. <laughs> you know, so I had a little accident, it's all good. Um, I just look at this and go, this is overwhelming. The weight of the world, but yet the promise of the world is given to this girl, Mary. This promise from generation, over 1,800 years worth of promises. And now it's here. John 3, 16 and 17 we're probably well familiar with, but it says, for this is how God loved the world. 
He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We have this opportunity. This is like the way to be saved. This is the hope of the church. It's the way to be saved through Jesus. God gave us his son. And I love some of the old school translations of that verse that say God so loved the world. Like, he so loved the world. And he loved the world when? Before he sent his son. So some of us might assume, because I've made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm now loved by God. No. You were loved by God before he sent his son. Right as you are. You're loved by God. This is the way of hope. The way of hope is that we serve a God who loves us as we are. And then he leads us into life. We'll get there in thought. Three in a second. You can quickly be overwhelmed by your sin with this information and go, man, but God sent his son for me. I am not perfect. I'm not worthy. No, none of us are. And that's okay. He still sent his son for us in our imperfection so that we could just fill this life and this life to the full, this hope, this confident expectation of everything Jesus having promised us and said when he walked this earth. It's true, which is thought too. Jesus is the truth. I don't know. I always feel like every year this is needed, this understanding that Jesus is the truth. Uh, to be aware that there is truth. To be aware that there's something solid that never changes. The scriptures God gave us, this book called the Bible, we have this opportunity to put our hope in. It's truth, and it doesn't bend and waver with the changing of time. So we actually have something solid that's here all the time for us. Listen to some of these passages. Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. We just did a series on honor. 1 John 5, 20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the one true God, the only true God. And he is eternal life. Our faith is this unshakable foundation in a world that is wishy-washy. As hypocrisy rises, this never changes. A compass, if you will. A true north. We can always, and that's, man, that's why we need our daily exposure to the Bible. Because the world around us is confusing, to say the least, right? We confuse ourselves. But if we don't want to be tossed and turned by every wind around us, we need something that's stable truthful, solid. And the scripture reveals and unveils the truths of God. And ultimately, a relationship with Jesus is like unlocking the truth around us so that we can see with 
clean hearts and pure minds the truth of God. And oftentimes, that's the truth of who we've been created to be. Again, which might result in our being overwhelmed. I was meant to do that. What? I remember when I was praying at the couch in my bedroom in Mukilteo, in an apartment, second floor, where I was at, and the I remember the pattern on the couch. I remember the moment. I'm sitting there praying on my knees because I'd seen it in a picture or something probably. I was new to the faith, praying, and uh, I remember hearing God share with me that I was going to marry a pastor's wife. I was like, do I like Google churches and like start checking out their wives or what do I do here? This is weird, right? That was a weird message to get from. Like I felt as audible as I've ever heard God. You know, it wasn't audible, like the room wasn't shaking and stuff. But I just felt like you're going to marry a pastor's wife. I'm like, what? The first thought was that's weird, right? Isn't that? I haven't read a lot of the Bible yet, but I'm pretty sure that's not right. And uh, Google probably wasn't around then. Anyway, so I didn't go to a computer because I didn't own one. But the, just looking at that moment, and I started to I quickly rationalized and realized, oh, like you've called someone to be a pastor's wife. Oh, that means you want me to what? Be a pastor? Do you know who I am? Like, do you know what I've done? You've got to know what I've done. This is, no, you know, and I felt very overwhelmed. And I was just like, never could that happen, God. I remember being sad by it. Like, I was literally emotional. I was crying, which I'm known to do every once in a while, even at the end of, like, Christmas movies. But anyway, uh, so I'm there, but this is a different cry. It was like it lasted a few days, and I, I went to... Uh, one of the associate pastors at our church and just said, man, I feel like I heard this. What do I do with that? And he just in that moment affirmed that he had sensed and thought that I was called to ministry as well. And he says, what this means is that God's calling you to be a pastor, Thad. And I was like, but this is what I've done. And he opened up the scriptures and said, yeah, but Corinthians says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified through the blood of Jesus. You're clean. You could be anything every day as a new mercy. That's the past. It's gone. Jesus went to the cross for that. It's just like overwhelmed, but in a good way, that I could find this, this calling that God would unpack through the power of his spirit, through the coming of his son, ultimately, right? It goes all back to this. Because he came, I can have a truth of even my own identity and its responsibility. Listen to this. Romans 5.5 5 says, And the hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Paul says again in Colossians 1.26, where the author says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your past is in the past. And when you put your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden this truth flows through you of how much God loves the world around you. 
And to some of us, you sense this call. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be set apart. I'm going to go above just serving once a, a month in church. I'm going to now, I think I'm supposed to serve like every day of my life, the church. And he's called me out on that. I consider it an incredible gift to do what I do. But we wrestle with this truth. And each of us, he's going to unveil this call for our life, which leads us ultimately to thought three in a moment after we read 1 John 3, 3. It says, 1 John 3, 3 says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So the truth is, God lays this way through Jesus. He lays this truth for us of who we really are. We're a purified person created in his likeness and image to be a light to the world around us. And then thought three, Jesus is the life. Like when we think about the life we have to live, like the key of life, it's in Jesus. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just the promise of eternal life. Not that we're okay, going to make a decision for Jesus and man, maybe in the future it'll come about and I'm going to be nervous in between now and I, the day I'm escorted into heaven. No. Like, it's life then, yes, eternal life then, but it's life now, abundant life, this life to the full. That's what we're promised. It's this full promise for our life. We don't just sit around and wait for life to end once we make a decision for Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm, just, I'm good. I, made, I went to church this Sunday. I chose to follow Jesus, and now I'm just going to wait. It sounds funny to, like, just have somebody waiting there for Jesus to return, but in the old church, the beginning church, they thought Jesus was going to return before they died. So they would wait on mountaintops. They would make a decision to give their life to Jesus, and they would climb up onto mountaintops and just like, okay, Jesus. Because this hope was not just in his birth. It was in his second coming. So they would wait. And then there had to be teachings on, no, 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 that's not like, yes, he's coming back for us, but live your life now. Interesting to think. We have a purpose. We have a plan. God wants us to know this way in which he came to answer our need of imperfection and sin through Jesus. He sent his son so that we could have hope. That it's a truth. That it's, he gave us so much testimony over thousands of years that we could put all the weight of our faith in it. And then he gives us this promise of life. And even those promises have seeds throughout all of time. Like back in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jesus has come that we could have hope. All these amazing promises wrapped up in one word. What a loaded word. What an incredible opportunity we have this December to just dwell on the hope we have and really, hopefully, be broken for those who don't have hope. Be bothered by those that are living still in a state of being overwhelmed day to day. 
that we could find a way to open up this promise of hope for, for them. Today, the, the promise of hope today and this promise of hope for, for their future. It's time for a fresh encounter with hope for us and for others through us. And that's our action point. My prayer for you and our action point is put your hope in Jesus. But then that you had, or maybe you're just renewing your hope in Jesus. And then you're taking that hope out from here. When you get a gift off of a giving tree for Liberty Ridge Elementary School kids back there. And you wrap it up and you bring it. You're, you're extending hope when you show up and, and have fun and, and let your kids come to church in their pajamas in a couple weeks and you have this opportunity to allow them to have fun. You're giving them an opportunity to hear and experience hope. When we sing songs of worship, we extend our faith and work experiencing hope. I just pray this Christmas is filled with ridiculous quantities of hope for all of us. Romans 15, 13 gives us a prayer. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray that over your life today. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to lift the name of Jesus and all the hope that comes through it in this school today. That we have the opportunity to unpack this story, this way you've brought us to where we've at, we're at today in the scripture. I thank you for this moment in time that we have to trust in you afresh, that put fresh hope in Jesus. And God, I pray that you would use that hope in us, the power of your Holy Spirit through us and bring hope to a world around us that maybe doesn't have a truth to look upon. That God, you will guide us to be that light in the world that you'll help us lead people to the way, the truth, and a life that's in you, that's full of promise and hope for our future. God, if there's someone here today that has not made the decision to put their trust in you, as we say here, they haven't chose to follow Jesus yet, I pray that they would make that decision right now by simply inviting you into their lives, saying, Jesus, I wanna follow you. I choose to put my faith in you and trust in you today. I want to grow in a relationship with you. That God, you'll use this moment as a moment of overwhelming hope in their life, as, as revealing as that decision can be in one's life, even as it was for me. I was overwhelmed by my sin, by my past. But you say that doesn't matter. By putting your faith in me, you're purified of that and full of hope for your future, fresh hope. God, I thank you for what you're stirring in us. Thank you for what you're going to do this December in us and in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.